Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Walden. My guest today is Lawrence Francis. Lawrence has a podcast called Interpreting Wine, and hopefully he's going to tell us all about it. So why did you create your podcast, and when, and what did you do before? Why and when, and, and yeah, the whole story. So I'm actually a qualified business psychologist, uh, so that's where I've spent most of my professional career, working in the UK, working in Dubai, um, working, yeah, London mainly, and I always had the goal, I always had the aim of, of doing my own thing. And yeah, long story short, the powers that be wanted to kind of shoehorn business psychology closer towards being a sort of a medical uh, science rather than a business science. And, and I kind of wasn't having that, the sort of the, I guess, the oversight and the hoops you had to jump through. I, I just kind of wasn't up for that for the next sort of, yeah, 30, 40 years. So this is called business psychology? Business psychology, yeah. And so what does that actually mean, though, as a as a, um, as a as profession? A yeah. it, it's as broad as anything to do with people in the workplace. So we talk about a lot about the cycle. So where you come in, interviews, where you develop people, coaching and training, uh, where you fire them, you know, the way you fire them, how you fire them, disciplinary, HR, all of these sorts of things, basically improving the effectiveness of anything to do with people in the workplace. So it's massive, broad. Uh, area and so understanding uh, mm. your employees and what gets them motivated and what's the, what gets them annoyed and yeah and what and makes them stay loyal to the company and, and then it's yeah it's as much as the company wants to do you know there, there's obviously there's what the rule book says or there's what's the research says and then there's what companies actually have got the money for but you must have enjoyed that for. when you were doing it though yeah good, yeah really good fun I mean I, I think you know I got to I got to travel and I got to, as I say, work abroad, work in, in Dubai and, and Abu Dhabi. And uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I had some fantastic experiences, but I was never in any doubt that the long-term goal was always to do it for myself. That was why I chose not to go into clinical psychology, um, where, as I saw it, it was more, you know, go and work in a hospital. And after 20 years or whatever, you could get your own clients. But I, I was very firm from the outset that the biggest percentage of business psychologists were working for themselves. So I, yeah, essentially, even the decision to study psychology was very much a, a passion-led decision. And I, yeah, decided, you know, crazily, I guess, to to come into the world of wine. And what, how old were you when you came into the world of wine? So, yeah, I mean, if we say, I really only, I would say, came into the world of wine when I started the podcast, which was in September 2017. And you were how old? So just over, just over two years ago. So, yeah, that's uh, 39. Okay. So, yeah. So it wasn't just a midlife crisis thing. <laughs> well, I, well, I hope that's not even midlife yet. I think I, I've got a fair few years to go on after that. Um, but yeah, I've never been somebody who's afraid to to kind of change and do things differently. And I did. I, I looked at wine and looked at kind of the, the traditional jobs that were there and, and none of them really kind of appealed to me. You know? Why, why, I, I wasn't qualified why, why not soccer? Sorry, why not soccer or, or being a, a chef or a painter or whatever, a, a tour guide? Why, why wine? Yeah, I mean, I think that there is then 
there's me sitting here having done it and having worked in it now for you know for more than a couple of years but maybe at the time my thinking wasn't so uh, wasn't so clear i mean i think the the immediate the immediate sort of motivation the immediate push that i had was actually trying to uh, secure a, a, a job because after i had sort of decided i wanted to move away from psychology actually uh, wanted to have a break wanted to have you know kind of a reset and actually found myself living in madrid found myself living over in spain with the motivation of improving my language skills and then also, yeah, learning about another culture and kind of embedding myself in that culture. And the fine, the kind of really short-term motivation for starting the podcast was actually a job role that I was going for in Madrid. And, and that job was to work for a tapas tour company over there, which is one of the few jobs that's actually available as an English speaker. You know, you, you pretty much, you, need, you do need to be native speaker or, or near. I wasn't never quite that level. But enough Spanish to be able to deal with your employer. Totally, yeah. And then obviously with the English that you could take a tour bus or whatever. Around. Yeah, exactly. But this was the, this was actually doing their social media. That, that was the thing. It wasn't actually going out doing the tours. And my big plan was, you know, I know all the theory around Facebook ads and creating a community and running Facebook ads and, and et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to have something different because I, I wasn't, as I say, I wasn't potentially going to be the most qualified person that was going for the job. So I figured, let me turn up with a podcast all about Spanish wine. So what about, was that called? It's got a good title. What was it called? Which one? Behind the Bodega Door? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, I mean, the podcast was always called Interpreting Wine, but that was the kind of the show format. So that was me going out to Spanish wine producers. Uh, mainly they were in Penedes and they were in the, the Carver producers and, and as I say, some still wines in the Penedes region. Uh, but it was a hell of a lot of work because I was having to travel down from Madrid to Penedes, which was sort of four or five hours drive each way, come back. And then I was I had this sort of long reel of tape that I recorded, you know, on the on my mobile before I kind of got my, my kit sorted out. But it was all on the mobile and it was it was all in Spanish. So I then had to come back and, you know, through that sort of post visit haze of all the all the tastings and all the wines that I've had then sit down with this kind of two hours and three hours and they're you know very hospitable they'll they'll, they'll they'll keep you there and show you around full of Spanish I then had to decipher that and as the name of the podcast is interpreting wine bring that back into English and broadcast it, it to an English audience so there are only eight episodes with that format simply because it, it took so long it just it took forever so you dived in bit mm. off a fair old chunk, a little bit more than you could easily digest. What was the next step? Yeah, I think well, the next the next step was not getting the job. <laughs> so all of the all of my uh, the my, best laid plans, yeah, all, all of that motivation that that really set the whole thing in in motion. Not getting a, the job, and then realizing, okay, I can't I can't stay in Madrid, you know, and coming back to London, and uh, yeah, it was, but still. Having that itch, having having loved, genuinely loved, you know, every minute at least of the tour, and not not so much the coming back and editing part, which was, as I say, six, seven, eight hours per episode. It oh, was it was insane, and and then yeah, not not necessarily getting the the the, the most constructive or, or positive feedback on the back of that. You know, a lot of people they were like, oh, we don't want to hear from you. We want to hear from the winemaker. Right. Who are you? And 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 I think they were right. You know, I didn't really have the depth of knowledge and depth of confidence, really, I guess, to to tell those stories. I wasn't qualified to tell the 
producer stories and people picked up on that and I knew that myself. But you knew there was a kernel of something that you could develop. So what was the next step? I think it was, I mean, I came back and I thought, oh, I'll do this as the odd holiday. I'll, I'll go back to Spain and, and, and that was it. And then I, I, I've always had an interest in different wine regions and, uh, you know, new and for the mainstream kind of exotic wine regions. And, and I, at the end of January, I, I, I got on my first trip. I, you know, I, I to kind of backstep a little bit. I thought, okay, I went through the phase of, I'll do it when I just go abroad. And then I figured, look, hey, I'm in London. There's cool things here. There's restaurants here. There's cool people I can speak to here. I'll do some research and quickly kind of found out that London was was interested in Austrian wine and Slovakian wine and, and all of these you know wines from different places that really appealed to me not just the normal not just the Spanish not just the Italian stuff so I then yeah I, w I was over in um, I then went to visit a couple of producers over in Bergenland at the end of January in Austria yeah, yeah in Austria and 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 that was actually yeah again making things <laughs> difficult for myself in hindsight i didn't i didn't start with uh with with london <laughs> i was like oh I'll, I'll jump on a plane and go over to austria but at least they had the language at least we could do it do the whole thing in english yeah and it didn't need that eight hours of transcribing and and, and translating and that w that was the revelation it was i came back and i was actually looking forward to doing it again and almost wincing when I opened the, 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 the file, but then realizing, hold on, actually, it's, it's enjoyable, it's, it's were quick. It's, it's, were you it's working fun. for a wine merchant at the time? No, no, no I, 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 yeah, later, later sort of got into that, and uh, yeah, it, and then it, that, was, that, was the, that was then the, 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 the snowball. And, um, Why? Because you were in the industry then, or what? Well, as I say, I mean, you know, I think being in the industry is a very loose term to 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 put on that. But I think I just I knew that I loved that format. I mean, it was <laughs> I think partly was just it wasn't as torturous as the Spanish yeah. version. You know, the the Spanish project. It was just oh, well, I can do it in my own language. And, and then I think that was then I I finally got the format right and. They just had, yeah. Again, you know, I say looking back, not at the time, not so much of a, a huge plan, but I just went and did. Then it, then it was, it was open season. Then it was, let me get out there. Let me, let me use my skill that no one really, you know, bar, you know, a couple of other, you know, notable podcasters, at least, you know, not least of all the UK wine show, uh, which Chris is in Scott. London, Chris yeah. Scott, and then also. Um, I'll drink to that podcast, which is over in New Levy York, Dalton, Levy yeah. Dalton. And I asked people in the, that I was starting to meet on social media when I was doing my research in the in the London wine trade, and people then I started interviewing. I would always ask them. I'd say, "Oh, you know, what are, what are the podcasts that you absolutely have to listen to?" And it was only those two that kept coming up. And I and I intuitively figured out, look, there's a gap in the market the here. Space, yeah. No one's filling it. I'm gonna. I'm going to jump in there and, 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 and do this. And All right, so what was your USP then in terms of um, the next step that you made? So you've identified, you know, you made a, you enthusiastically started. Yeah. That yeah. was a bit of a dead yeah. end. You yeah. learned a lesson. Yeah. And then yeah. you realized that there's space in the... In the, in the now in London. Yeah, yeah. so what, what was the next step? As I say, I, I think the I think it was just naivety, really. It was just... That's a good thing, though, I think, sometimes, because <laughs> you see things with... with um, 
innocent eyes. You don't have yeah. any preconceptions or, and you don't say, I'm not going to go and see him because he's, I don't like him. I mean, you, just, you, you have no, to. Yeah, it was yeah being, being open-minded. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I, it very quickly dawned on me that there were some people who, were, who had more influence than most on social media. That There's this stat on Instagram where you can look at somebody and I think it's really, really useful, and, and nobody seems to talk about it. You look, you go to their profile, and you see how many of the people you follow are following them. It will, it will put it down there on the bottom, and then you start to see, oh wow, I've been doing my research, and a hundred of my people I rate and follow, they follow this person, and then you realize, okay, they're they're kind of very influential. You know, it's of course it's flawed by whatever Instagram gives you, but I from that that was you know that was part of the research and just discovering these these figures in the in the london wine and restaurant scene who i thought i'm going to get them on the podcast and that that was the the initial motivation getting to those sort of to those so you're figures. interviewing what i mean um, you said the food and beverage into what you importers wine shop owners restaurateurs yeah, chefs yeah were. i mean i i tried to get as close to people who are making wine in london i guess it was still a little bit of a hangover from uh, from, from Spain, so uh, very early on, one of the first people I interviewed was um, Warwick at Renegade Wine in, in Bethnal Green, who's making wine under an arch in Bethnal Green, okay. getting his f- fruit from you know UK and international. So that was that was kind of early on, and then yeah, one of the you know the people I interviewed quite early in episode fifteen was um, Honey Spencer, who, who again she seemed to be one of these people who had that influence. You know, you could see who was following her, who was liking her posts, and. Uh, I, I felt like she was an important person to to reach out to and to and to get on, and, and that proved to be the, the the case. You know, she she was great on there. She she just started a, a role at a restaurant called uh, Nula, where she'd written the wine list. So we had like a yeah, really kind of honest, open chat about that. We got to try even more of the kind of funky wines. I remember some a Czech um, a Blanc de Noir, I think it was, and, and just yeah, some some cool. Uh, wines actually in that and that episode was 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 it kind of just showed that I think it influenced my editing style because we were sat in the basement of the restaurant and it, it had been a sort of a you know she'd really done a, a good deep dive into all the wines and we, and we it ended up being around forty minutes the episode and we were just sort of closing off really it was just it reached its natural point and like literally twenty seconds before the end a fire alarm went off in the basement. And as I'm sure you'll know, anything that's got a, a high pitch, it just cuts right through to anybody who's listening, and it just you know blows their eardrums apart basically. And uh, and I was editing it back, and I'd forgotten about the, the fire alarm when I got to that bit, and it kind of scared me, and I was kind of going to take it out. I was like, oh, that has to come out. Uh, and then Honey kind of continues with her answer after that. She's like, oh, sorry, the fire alarm's just gone off. And then I realised, no, that has to stay in. That that's that's what really happened yeah. and uh, you know I haven't kind of been sued by anyone yet but I had a, lot, a few people tell me that they got to that point of the episode and they'd been on the metro oh. and they'd actually thought that oh, the, no. the alarm was going off on the metro <laughs> and they jumped up and like what, what was it was, was, and of course it was only on the podcast so yeah that that's out there yeah it's a bit <laughs> like that, that um, bit in the dark side of the moon the plink forward angle when that yeah. The bells start ringing you know, <laughs> and everything changes. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of um, um, content now, and what are you really focused mm. on? Yeah, I mean, is, it, is there anything that we, comes your way? Have you got? Are you a man with a plan? If we do, yeah. If we do a, a bit of a, a zoom back, I guess I, I would say 2018. It was very much around 
you know, getting known, getting, 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 just getting out there, you know. And and I and I didn't, I wasn't shy about producing content. I produced two hundred and twenty episodes that year, uh, you know, around four a week. And I, I personally feel that's that's what you have to do to to get established in on social media these days. And and I I view podcasting as as a form of social media. I just think to to get the word out there. And I didn't want to bog myself down in thinking about monetization or even worry too too much about who was listening. I was just get let's get it out generating there. content. Yeah, get it get it out there and let and let let the feedback be on the content that people are consumed rather than me sort of stressing and debating everything in my own head and, and never getting anything out there. So that that's pretty much 2018 in a nutshell. When I got to the end of 2018 and kind of had a break for, you know, a, week, a month or so and had a, and thought and realized, okay, it was, it was good fun. I did learn a lot and my energy levels didn't, didn't drop. I, I got to go on a couple of press trips during 2018 in that first year one to New York, one to Austria, and uh, realized then, but at the start of, of 2019, it had to change. So I had to do something different. And uh, it kind of fell in my lap, really. It, it was really then thinking a lot more in terms of campaigns and, and series that, that would make, I guess, me as a, as, and the channel easier to follow. Um, but then also I, I, I had a hunch that it would drive more listens as well, because say I was doing a, you know, a series on um, New Zealand wine, as I did, it was the first series of 2019. There were seven episodes in that series, and because they existed as an entity that had come out in series, somebody could find one of those seven and kind of be sucked into. Oh, it's a series. Let me let me listen to all seven, and and that door was open. And it's not open if you just do a a single standalone episode. Okay, so that's I mean that's quite strategic, isn't it? Um, and that requires. And in some ways, it's kind of logical because mm. well, it's very logical anyway. But um, if it's New Zealand, you're not actually flying there. I presume you're introducing, interviewing excuse me, um, New Zealand producers coming over for an event in London to so the annual tasting. This and is it. That's, and so that's yeah. an efficient way. And I think the episodic um, format um, is a good one because it gets people in the habit of not having all the candy at once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not instant gratification. It's it's a, a bit of instant gratification with more gratification to come if you listen in the next day or the two days. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, I, I just think I think there are many ways to kind of you know skin skin this particular cat. And, and I yeah, I've, I've grown from that initial experience with with I say the the wines of New Zealand. It was it was actually really I got the the push from doing the New York series because in in a week in New York I recorded thirty five episodes, and I realised. Damn, I've got to get all of these out in one because it, it will just dominate the next two years of the channel if I don't. So I sort of just locked myself away for two or three weeks and just produced them all. And then they did a sort of a whole takeover. And that that was really the first time was with was with those New York episodes kind of. With so you did thirty five in the end. Did thirty five mm-hmm. as a series. Yeah. How did how did your audience? How did I mean did. did did the audience have a lot of stamina? Do they stay until the bitter end, until episode thirty-four? Yeah, I, I mean, in I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think in in hindsight, it's it's a, that's a long series. Yeah, you know, is, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do that. I don't anticipate ever doing that again. I don't think, not because I don't like the content and and, and don't think, don't rate New York wines and all the rest of it. I, I just think it it's a lot to ask. Yeah, yeah. it's a month and a half. And uh, and maybe yeah, that's where you may I've maybe made the target too big. It was actually too much, and 
potentially that could have been in seven or five chunks of seven. You know, that, that would probably be how I was doing it now if I had that level of content, which is an if because, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I would have the stamina to make so many podcasts in such a short period of time now. Uh, so, yeah. So what's happening now then in terms of, I mean, have you settled on a formula now? Um, in terms of content and how you present that content in terms of episodics or just one-offs? Yeah, I, I ideally I will go series. I, for me, I think the, the, the ideal kind of series length, again, so that people are not getting washed away with this, this sort of New York-style wave, is to have sort of five to seven, and, and that can work in terms of releasing that one a day over a week. It's, I think it's a lot easier to, to yeah. get, get someone's attention over the space of a week. And I think a week is a big enough sort of, again, back to this idea of a target to have to catch their attention. If, they, if they're looking for content in that week, they'll, they'll catch you. And then if, even if they look back and search, they'll see those seven coming up and it won't be overload if you, they have 35 coming up. Um, I mean, one of the, the other things that is, you know, we're jumping around a little bit is bringing it right up to to date here and wine to wine, you know, because I'm I'm a constant innovator. I, I constantly try to refine it and see how it kind of feels to me. And uh, one of the things that I, I've been doing since I've arrived here is actually potentially stepping back from doing so many interviews here on the ground. So I've, I've done in my third day here in Verona, I've done four interviews, which, you know, is not that many for me, but all four have now been edited. All four are going to be already on the yeah. So <laughs> not, not, my, not, not not to kind of shame uh, my, anybody my, that might be <laughs> sitting next to me interviewing me, <laughs> but but that's that's an experiment. I've never done that before. Usually, what I do, I'll go home from trips. I'll sit down. I'll kind of get over the jet lag, have a cup of tea, and then I'll open up the laptop and see what I've got. This is this is the first time I've ever done it, and it actually. It feels pretty good because it's totally current and it's totally up to date. And it, I feel like there's, yeah, there's almost kind of an element of not so much live streaming, but almost and not, of course, not live podcasting, but yeah, almost live it's from on the, the same floor day. of this particular event in Verona, yeah. which is a, a business to business event called Wine to Wine. That's it. I feel like I'm able again back to that point of I always want to bring the listener closer to what's happening and I, I feel like it will it will even be more relevant to them I think it will work out better for wine to wine as well that the content is there now and that somebody who listens to Stevie's podcast yesterday Stevie Kim Stevie Kim they can realize hold on it's actually still going on and actually Stevie Kim mentioned that it's being live streamed on Facebook and they can get in and watch it while it's live rather than them listening to this in in a week or three weeks' time, which, you know, is, they'll still get the value, but, but they won't have necessarily that feeling of immediacy and the feeling of involvement in the actual Events. conference, yeah. which I think you guys have done a fantastic job of bring, of live, say, live streaming, making things available to bring people in. So they need to kind of know about that. And I think that, I think it's a really good match between yeah, my audience knowing about that, those things happening and, and them turning up and tuning in no matter where they are in the world so what's your what's your uh, final question what's your next um idea then or, or thing that you're going to latch on to yeah I, I, you're, so, you're, yeah. Quite, you're, you're always trying stuff you're not you're not yeah. you're not mr static the yeah the so in 19 i spoke about the series um the one that i thought was going to be more controversial than it 
actually really ended turning out to be was moving into other drinks categories. I, I don't know that any other wine podcaster has stepped outside of wine. So I've done t actually two separate category um, series this year. I've done a rum series and I've done a mezcal series. So nothing whatsoever to do with wine in either of those. I, I think the, well, I know the, 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 the hook really was somebody who I, you know, greatly admire. She's now been on the podcast twice, Dawn Davies, MW. And I interviewed her around cognac because she works for a company called the Whiskey Exchange and they produce shows as well. They produce live experiences as well as being a retail outlet. They, were, they had the cognac show and I interviewed her in the context of the cognac show. So still, yeah, still enough of a link to, to, to grape-based drinks. But on the way out, literally, you know, off mic, we, we turned off, walking out the door and she said, yeah, you know, I love cognac, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a master of wine, uh, you know, I love all of these different drinks, but get me talking about rum. That's really where my, my passion is right now, you know, working as she does in, in the mainly in the spirit side of things now. And yeah, long story short, she was hugely helpful and uh, supportive in putting together a three-part series with people who were at the absolute top of their game in the in the rum world. So she featured, um, and then also uh, Sly Augustine, who who runs a bar called Trailer Happiness in London. You know, one of the sort of premier rum bars in the, anywhere in the world. Another gentleman called Peter Holland, who is again a, a rum blogger, rum educator, a kind of a, a rum representative out there in, in, in the markets and did that and, and got, I think, positive feedback. I'm, I'm you know, I am interpreting wine. And I, I think I'll always be interpreting wine. But yeah, it's featured rum, it's featured mezcal. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, averse to opening up the door and doing different different types of series. Yeah, it's good for you that you're not blocked on wine. We get so obsessed by the wine bubble that we can't see beyond it. And um you know, via your experiences. And I think what's interesting about you is is you're kind of restless in a very nice way. If something doesn't mm. work, you're not you're not afraid to try something new. Um, and also what I like about you is if it doesn't work, you don't, it's not like a disaster. You just, mm. you always see it as a positive thing. It's like, oh, I learned something from that. And I think that's a fantastic skill that you've got. I think it's a life skill. I think so, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I will, I guess, finish in, in, a, in a way that, that speaks to, probably my most asked question, which is around monetization. You know, I, it, I think it's something that's in people's mind and they always probably kind of wonder. I mean, I had a, a very interesting discussion with Richard Hemming, MW, on, on, uh, about going on trips and, you know, a lot of those being being paid. But at the end of the day, you can't you can't live off trips. You know, you need to actually have that, that income come through. And my very latest thinking, you know, put it out there, share it, is, is um, not to monetize my audience. You know, I, I don't want to put a barrier between myself and, and the listener ever, if, if I can at all help it. But recognizing that I'm producing something that has value to the business community out there, to the wine business community, really, yeah, first, I mean, first uh, and foremost. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, when, when we first met um, via phone. I think you, yeah, yeah. you said that you didn't want to... Um, the funding would come from industry sources, um, yeah. and you would obviously, you know, curate, curate if you like, uh, content. And um, yeah, I mean, it's one way of doing it. That's it, and you got to live. You got to live, and and I'm. I think I'm. I'm competing with, with the magazines. You know, I'm. I'm now 
able and confident and it takes time you know to to get that confidence and i feel like this is the right time to to be upfront with people and uh, and ask for, for 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 money and ask and ask for them to participate in, in interpreting wine and to reach the listeners and and to just make that point that yeah you can probably pay i guess similar kind of sums and end up on you know page 33 of a of a magazine somewhere and you know take a step back is is that the best use of your yeah. of your of your marketing budget is, are there are you reaching the people you need to are you needing to reach people all around the world i know i have 30% listeners in the uk 30% in the us um a lot of a lot of wine producing regions a lot of wine, wine produce, producers and and, and and countries they want to reach those markets and it's like how do you go about doing that you've got to i think have a multi-channel strategy i'm not saying i'm going to you know close down magazines but you know what about diverting some of that money from the magazines or from other types of media into podcasting which i still think is woefully underserved by the wine industry i still, yeah, I still mean, think I'm, there's a lot of space for people to get onto the field as i put it yeah you're teaching grandma to suck eggs. i agree i think i'm, I'm a big radio <laughs> fan and uh, said this a million times I've been on the telly it's yeah. a laborious yeah. process yeah. and um, I, this is a much better medium for me personally but just for me in general as a consumer of content I'd much rather listen to the radio than watch telly and I think yeah quick one I've got to get it in there but in preparation for knowing I was coming to Wine to Wine and I was going to be you know, speaking on the, the panel with yourself uh, I produced a a slide deck that sets out all of the equipment that I use to to, to produce interpreting wine. And that's on your website, yeah. So, on the, so, so you would just head to interpretingwine.com slash kit, K-I-T, and that will send you directly to this PDF that's got blow by blow each of the seven components, basically, of my very simple, very straightforward, not massively expensive setup that I really hope through this podcast, we'll, we'll get somebody else out there to kind of think about, as I put it, coming onto the field and, and playing. Because, you know, whilst there is, um, I think there is abundance out there. I think I think I can be working with, with regions and boards and, and uh, making a living off of that, while there can still be other people coming up and, and, and telling their story out there, you know, get, getting on the record and, and letting people know about, you know, what's happening with wine in Romania or, or what's happening with wine in Texas. You know, there, yeah. there's, there's a lot of places out there. And, you know, final thought, podcasting is social media. If, if anybody can set up a, a Facebook account and can make content for Facebook, then I, I'm a firm believer they can do so with the audio experience in mind. And, and again, interpretingwine.com slash kit, it needn't be a bank breaker. You know, yeah. it's it's accessible if you're listening to this and you've got a mobile phone, then then you know you're, you're already we're already sort of better off than most people of the world. I think you know it's not a it's not an insurmountable amount of money to save up or to invest in uh, entering this this medium, which is as I say still I think underserved compared to video or blogging or Instagram. Okay, I want to say thanks to my guest today, Lawrence Francis from Interpreting Wine. You basically, in a nutshell, his message is: Let there be podcasts. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's great to meet you in the flesh. And, um, yeah, you're such a bubbly chap, but you've got logic as well on your side. So, And you've also had some hard knocks, um, probably slightly of your own creation, but you've learned from them. And, uh, and what I like about you is, is you've not only learned from them, but you've always got a smile on your face. And you don't... Um, 
you see yourself in the context of, of something much wider. You don't see yourself as the center of it um, in, in an egocentric way. And that's, that came through very clearly when we first spoke by phone. Mm. To get, and um, that's certainly come across today that, you, that you're a, a chap with a very generous spirit. Thank and, you. Uh, so I really hope that your, um, your dreams come true. And they're not just dreams there. Yeah, they're, they're stuff that you've, that you've done and that you're doing and that you will do in the future. So I really, really, really hope um, it goes well for you. Thank you very much. No worries. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise. Yeah, you're, good, you're a good lad. <laughs> really good High lad. five. <laughs> Listen to all of our pods on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and on ItalianWinePodcast.com. Don't forget to send your tweets to at ItaWinePodcast. Yeah, cool. How long was that? Four and a half hours. <laughs>